thrilled to have the institutional fundraising platform Instrumental join us as a multi-episode sponsor in season five. Instrumental CEO Gary Monglick has created a mini series of grant tips to help you be more efficient and strategic in your grant seeking. Listen in on today's tidbit. What is the gap you saw in the institutional fundraising market? In other words, what made you want to create Instrumental? The main gap that we saw was that there was no end-to-end tool for institutional fundraising. There was no intelligent, easy-to-use software that was truly focused on the outcome of saving you time and winning more grants. For example, we don't just provide you with data, we actually match you to the data. We don't just provide you with the tracking tool, we provide opinionated workflows to save you time. The outcome that we hold ourselves accountable to is actually growing revenue and saving time, and that's how we build our product, and that's what we're trying to do for our customers. To find out more, check out instrumental.com. Use coupon code HEYDAY50 for $50 off the first month of Instrumental. That's I-N-S-T-R-U-M-E-N-T-L.com. Well, hello there. I am Kimberly Hayes de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 5 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit, local government, or are a consultant who serves them. On Fundraising Heyday, we will cover the how-to, but we also want to explore the whys of things, including poking the bear of inequity that roams the forest of philanthropy. (laughs) Well, and always, we're doing this every two weeks with the help of experts in the field of our particular brand of entertainment, which may include songs, cheesy sound effects, and an occasional y'all. Because learning doesn't have to be boring. And I just have to say, Kimberly and I just wrapped a training, um, and we told them you don't want us to sing, and they actually requested it. So uh, we started off some sustainability training this morning with a little... With a little Debbie Gibson. Debbie Gibson. <laughs> Who knew? So you, just, you never know. But um, I digress. <laughs> Why don't we get into today's topic? Oh, I think we better. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. It's 2022, and here we are flooring it into Season 5 of Fundraising Heyday. In our last episode, we explored what is wrong with grant making um, and what part of it makes grant seeking harder than it really needs to be. So if you didn't listen to that episode, it's certainly not a prerequisite for today's episode, but if you want to get the full of our two-parter you may want to go back and listen to episode number two so you can we kind of talk about what's wrong with grant seeking today and if you need to go do that right now we'll be here when you get back it's all good this is true but today is part two of that and we're talking more about the why of grant writing um so we're going to talk about some examples Mm -hmm. of how to fix things 
Um, so we talked about there's no wine grants. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason, it seems. But there really is because there are people that are making decisions. We ranted a lot about the decisions and how they sometimes are just annoying. Sometimes how they're inequitable. Sometimes how they're not making the biggest impact. Um, we, we did we did a little bit of ranting about all of those issues. And rightfully so because it's frustrating to see things not work in the climate, in the arena in which it really should be working. It's true. And of course, if you're new to the podcast, welcome friend. And if you're an avid listener, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our long-term friends and supporters know that I am shy and retiring and rarely (laughs) express my opinions. Warning, we have now entered an alternative world where up is down, dogs are cats, and they live together. And Kimberly never rants. <laughs> it's the Twilight Zone. <laughs> All right. To be fair, I freely express my opinions, but as profoundly satisfying as that can be, and and it can it really be. can feel mm. good. Mm. You just, it's cathartic sometimes. It just feels being good. like raging against the machine. But I don't like to call out problems or concerns or issues and just leave it at that. Again, profoundly satisfying in the moment. But not having solutions or not working for change, um, then it just leads to more ranting. And I, I think, I think I don't know about you, but just ranting isn't getting it for me anymore. It's just straight up not getting it. And it, it never really has, which leads us to the, to the first talking point about solutions and changes and other steps to make the grants world a better place. Amanda, would you like to start us off? I'd love to. And I'd really like to start it off with a very timely example about sticking to it and persistence and getting up when you've been knocked down. I'm still riding a high. You know, Kimberly and I are both from Georgia or from we've lived here basically Close enough. a long time. We claim it as home. Kimberly went to the University of Georgia. Mm. My husband went to the University of Georgia. He may be the biggest Bulldog fan I've ever met in my life. Um And earlier this year, for the first time since 1980, the Georgia Bulldogs are the national championships champions. After 40 years. Finally. And let me tell you, people were quick to remind Bulldog fans, y'all haven't won a championship since 1980. Y'all just need to sit down and shut up. Very proud of them for persevering. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this season is a great example, too. They were undefeated in the regular season. They went to play their longtime nemesis, Alabama, in the Southeastern Conference Championship and lost. And so very easy at that point to be defeated, but still made the top four. And as the stars aligned would have it, who do we have to play again? Alabama could very well have just decided that we've already lost to them. There's no way it's not going to happen, but they came about victorious. So it was a good day at my house. There was lots of ranting and in a good way, ranting excitement at my house. But um, okay. Enough about football. This is a podcast about fundraising. But they're working through, they're working through to a positive solution. Exactly. Which is what we're trying to do here. And the number one solution to any problem is to be part of that solution, which is why we made this a two-parter. We're not just ranting about the problems. We're trying to join forces or offer advice. Yeah. Here's here's some things you can do. Yeah. Because it's easy if you just sit and rant about something for the rest of your life and don't 
don't try and fix it, then I really don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, and retweeting is is not um, is not an activist <laughs> moment. <laughs> Let me just say that. It might make you feel good in the moment, but well, it's, it's, I'm not talking about retweeting. I'm not talking about that. Not well, about and we did have in last season, we ended the season with an Ask Me Anything. It was from a, uh, a session. Uh, Kimberly and I were joined by Lucy Morgan mm-hmm. um, at the Grant Professionals Association annual conference. And we turned that into a podcast episode. And one of the questions we received during the Ask Me Anything was, if I don't have a podcast, what platform can I use? And so we gave a quick answer there because we answered a lot of questions that day. But this episode is basically a much longer version of, okay, although so we, you don't have a podcast, there are still ways that you can participate in becoming part of the solution. And we're not saying that our podcast is out changing the world. We just want to get <laughs> ideas and solutions out there. It's our platform and we're using it. That's all we're saying. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I think everybody always says, oh, well, they've got that and I don't have it. We all think that. But the reality is we all have a platform. And it's it's making the most of the platform that you do have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the big thing here is we want to make sure that we're joining your voice, our voice, that we're joining voices together with those who advocate for change as a significant first step. So whether you want to push for streamlining grant applications or having more collaborative grant applications, a less competitive process, maybe we want to diversify grant making and grant seeking leadership. Basically, whatever pushes your button for what it is you're trying to fix to make the process better for us all and particularly making it better so it truly gets to the bottom line, which is serving the people who need it most. So a couple of ways that you can help amplify your own voice is by joining other like-minded people within membership organizations Mm -hmm. so that you can have a collective voice, right? It's one thing for one person to say, "Eh, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. It's quite another when there's like, hey, we have 3,000 members and we're all saying we don't like this. Like that's just a much stronger voice when you band together. Um, If you've listened to this podcast, you know Kimberly and I are both longtime members and big fans of the Grant Professionals Association. Um, They do lots of great work centered around the grant proposal process, particularly. Um, And I can give you a recent example of how they can lift their voice. Um, If anybody during 2021 submitted a public safety grant through the Just Grants system, you're probably like, having some trauma throwback PTSD. I was fortunate enough not to do a grant in that system this year, but if I've talked to anybody who has the comments are like, Oh my gosh, it was awful. This didn't work. This took three times as long. This link was broken. Nothing made sense. It was horrible. Right. Um, And so within the Grant Professionals Association on Grant Zone, which is our online community forum, lots of people were like, hey, I'm having issues with this. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. first of all, it was a great reason to be members because you were getting like, oh, I just did that yesterday. Here's how you solve that problem. So it was some nice working together in that regards. But once everything was said and done, the Grant Professionals Association, through our executive director, sent a letter to the Department of Justice basically going, hey, this is who we are. We found a lot of issues with this. And so coming from GPA, a letter like that means a lot more than just me, Amanda Day, writing that letter. I'm not stopping you from writing that letter because if enough of us do it, Mm -hmm. it makes a difference. But coming from a larger impact, a larger organization rather, it's 
it's probably going to get a little more notice than just one or two from yeah. random people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so, so that's one organization, but it's not the only one out there. There is the association of fundraising professionals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They certainly focus more on fundraising, but guess what? Grant writing is part of fundraising. And this is a controversial statement, but whatever y'all, it's all part. We're all trying to raise money. I just exactly. don't, I still, I'm, I'm not here for it. Exactly. I'm not here for it. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. And in a smaller shop, you are the fundraiser and the grant writer. So let's just all work together. Yeah. And so, you know, AFP certainly is going to talk about donations and major gifts and some of that same work is they having, talk about great writing. They do. And they're having some of the same issues in that side of the fundraising house. And so let's join our collective voices together. Right. Um, there's also a group called the grant professionals foundation. Um, and their purpose is to help fund the work of grant professionals and help get people into the training they need and the credentialing they need. And so they're help funding the change. So that's another organization that's worthwhile getting mm -hmm. involved with and getting behind. Um, also credentials help professionalize our field and bring together a wide variety of folks who have lots of experience. Um, there is the Grant Professional Certification Institute, which they uphold the GPC, which is a credential for those who are in the grant field. Um, the Association of Fundraising Professionals also has the Certified Fundraising Executive. Is that CFRE? CFRE. We're sorry we don't know this acronym, but I think it's something like that. I'm, yes, I'm notorious. I'm notorious with that with not remembering acronyms, <laughs> but they have a, a long-standing credentialing. Process. Absolutely. Um, there's also certified the, fundraising executive. That's what I said, but I'm not sure if it's that or expert. We're sorry, it's something like that. It's CFRE. We see CFRE all the time, and neither of us happen to have it, so we're not as well versed. Excuse us, all of you fundraising experts out there, but CFRE, that group, it's associated with AFP. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the National Grant Management Association, which they focus on federal grant management. So that's another group. And the nice thing about NGMA, a big chunk of their members are federal funders. Yeah. So not only are you with a bunch of members, but you're actually a members with people who are in charge of making a lot of these True fundraising that. decisions and grant proposal decisions. So you may be having lunch at a conference next to somebody who you can plant a bug in their ear about like, hey. Hey, your grant system really sucks. Let me tell you how. <laughs> Um, no, probably that's not the best approach, but it is direct. Yeah, I know. You can do it. Um, and then, of course, you've also got your local level, right? So there's, you know, all of these big organizations they have, have chapters. Local, yeah, like the AFP and GPA and NGMA have local chapters. Absolutely. And so those are collective voices that you can bring together, maybe with local funders to help mm -hmm. making some change happen. Which is something that GGPA is doing in February yes. of 2022. Um, I'm a member of GGPA, the Georgia chapter, I'm also MIA as a member, so I totally applaud this wonderful work that they're doing, um, bringing together um, not just a meet the funders where they tell you about everything and you sit there and, and hope that they, they're nice to you. It's um, really fostering positive connection to affect change. Mm -hmm. So in a good way. Kudos. Kudos to them yep. for making that come together. And that's a local level. So you don't have to wait for it to happen at a national level, which getting back to that ask me anything question, that was one of one of my points in that answer too, was like, you need to start where you are. Um, 
And it's something I tell myself every day. Um, and I have to tell myself this a lot because I am a confirmed introvert and I am also a hardcore Enneagram one, um, which I also refer to myself as a recovering perfectionist. I can self edit and what if myself into complete immobility. So I want to also provide some baby step ways. And actually, they're not even baby steps. They're just some good, solid steps you can make if you're just trying to sort of move into that more pushing for change versus I'm a grant writer. I follow the rules. I'm going to do everything exactly as it is by deadline, and I'll be grateful for what I get which is an approach and it is an approach I took early on in my career, but not so much. Not so much. Yeah. Now. Well, I think most of us do because when you first get started, it's like head down, get the money. Cause that's what the boss wants. And you just, you've got to get the money to serve the programs. Um, it's the more you start talking to other people and start realizing, Oh, you have that same problem. Oh, well I do too. So mm -hmm. how can we fix this together? So one thing you can do that you can do from the comfort of your own home or wherever you are with your laptop is leave a review at grantadvisor.org. We have had them on our podcast before. They're a great organization that was founded by people like you who were just trying to advocate for change. And it's, it's a review system yeah. for um, foundations. So you can go and review and leave a review or read reviews and do both, really, about the good, the bad, the ugly of various foundations. You can leave it anonymously or you can have an account and share your name. It's up to you. And um, at the last time I checked, I think they were pushing 3,000 reviews. And it's been mm -hmm. a minute since I've been on their site for, for that to see how many reviews they have. So... Um, it's growing and they won't publish a review of a foundation unless there's a certain number of Not reviews. Not anymore. Oh. They decided if, if it's one review, if it's bad, it's bad. And if the foundation wants both. to get more people to review it for them, that they can do that. Yeah, they, they changed that I rule. like that. Yeah. So. Amanda was waggling her finger at me and I'm like, am I talking too loud? <laughs> What's happening? Well, and imagine if you're like, what are you talking about? When I travel anywhere, you know, I'm trying to find good restaurants. Yelp is my go-to app I use for that. And it's not just, hey, what restaurant's close? Or I feel like Mexican, so let's see what all the Mexican options are. <laughs> I love me some chips and salsa and cheese dip. But it's also, I like to go and look at the reviews, right? So knowing, like, if somebody was like, oh, my gosh, this was the grossest restaurant. They, Fair. nobody was washed. I saw people come out of the bathroom without washing their hands. And then they went and started <laughs> cooking. That's so gross. I might not eat there, right? But if they, oh, my gosh, the food was so good. It, this was great. My family loved it. Or I, I eat here every time I visit. I'm probably going to check out that establishment. And it's kind of the same thing here where you can, you know, go read the reviews because if they are like, oh my gosh, the most they'll give you is a thousand dollars, but they make you jump through 30 hoops to even get that. And it costs more money than they gave us. Right. I may not go for that application or that funder. I may decide, you know what? I got five other in the key. I'm going to move on to them. So another um, really great thing that uh, Grant Advisor did this last, I would say in the last, 12 to 18 months last year or so. Um, they had a fix the form um, campaign that was a result of a survey that they did to ask um, grant seekers where their pain points were around 
um, the application process or just the whole the whole process in general. And the result of that survey, which I hope you participated in, if not, you know what, go and sign up for their email newsletter, follow them on social media and participate the next time they have a survey. Because here's what happened. The number one pain point um, of the people who, who responded to this survey uh, was the pain in the patukas that comes when you can't see all the questions that are on an online grant application. You are, you know, being asked to sit and complete this application, but you don't know what's coming next. And so it's hard to know what to have in front of you, how long it'll take, what information you need to gather. And it see if you're not in the profession, it sure does seem like an empty kind of small thing that who cares and we should we should um, address bigger issues of inequity however it is an, a really important thing and lots of folks will have to waste lots of time trying to figure out how to complete the application so bottom line they were able to create a fix the form and get hundreds of foundations to participate in having their forms reviewed and having the foundations make sure that potential applicants could get a list of the questions beforehand, before they started. It seems small, but it really is essential. So I just wanted to hold that up as an example of actions being taken, steps being taken, improvements being made. And there were some big foundations that participated in this Fix the Form campaign. Um, I, th oh, yeah. I think the Robert Wood Johnson and the Ford Foundation yep. and Kresge, if you've ever filled out a Kresge application, wouldn't it be lovely <laughs> to know what you're getting into? And, and they, they, they are now, if they hadn't before, if they had it in a way that wasn't really obvious, they've, they made that commitment and stepped up. And this grantadvisor.org grassroots started and staffed and just made the change um, by trying to make some changes. So again, that's a great way to get involved where you can have an individual voice and participate as a part of a, a push for collective change. Um, well, and I'd say real quick too, like you said, they were grassroots. It wasn't like some big organization decided to do this. It was somebody who worked for a local community foundation, an advocate, someone who was an executive director of a nonprofit. Like it's basically people like us that came together and said, yeah. We want to make something happen. How can we do this? And through that, they created grantadvisor.org. And so it's just, that's a perfect example of the power of just finding a few like-minded mm -hmm. people and going, we want to change the world in our little smaller corner and we're going to make a big impact. Absolutely. Another way you can make a big impact on a very local level is just beginning or enhancing that communication process with, with funders. And by that, I mean, obviously the, 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 the foundations and agencies that are forward thinking enough to actually want to engage in conversation. I realize it doesn't apply to every funder, but the ones who do open themselves for that are the ones you should start with first. And I, there's so many ways to do this. Again, as an introvert, pre-COVID, I was not busting around and going, hey, let's meet for coffee. Hey, let's meet for drinks. Hey, let's meet for lunch. Every once in a while, I might do that, but it could just be as simple as dropping them an email, setting up a time for a phone call. If they are holding workshops, forums, um, anything like that in person when it's safe to do so or online, that is also a great way to just start conversations and build relationships because ultimately these are people 
that are doing this. Yeah. Um, you can also, if you are um, hosting or putting together any kind of programming around grant funding or grant seeking at a local level or national level, invite inviting funders to yeah. come to the table. The argument is there and it's clear and I see it that, well, they don't invite us. Well, maybe they do and maybe they don't, but you know what? Why don't we invite Show them? Show out's done. Let's, let's, yeah, let's lead, lead by, by example. example. Here we go. So, you want me a Coke, by the way? <laughs> that's right. That's, um, that's a, that's a, I did a lot of that um, as when I was active in the Georgia chapter of GPA. And it started by me. I would always volunteer to host Meet the Funder panels. Yeah. Because, I felt it was it's fine for me to speak in front of a group, particularly if it's around a specific topic. It's not a cocktail party where I have to ask people about whatever and bleh, and circulate and network. This was like we're there for a purpose to talk about these things. And in the process of setting it up, I would get to know the some funders. of these funders. Yeah. And then I was able to foster those conversations and those relationships that carried on as I moved to different organizations. Um, Another easy way to sort of start building these relationships is to follow these folks on social media from these foundations and funders, mm -hmm. but engage with them. You know, if they're posting something, ask a question or tag them or do something to start a, 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 a small, even a small conversation, a small thing online. Um, you can expand the way you communicate with funders, maybe by not hitting them directly, but maybe you're, um, you're, you have a blog, you're posting about it, you have your different social media accounts, you're posting about that, tagging them, guest posting and blogging on issues that really matter to you on other people's yeah. platforms. Well, and I would say, there, to me, I'm all about the guest blog because I'm like, I don't have the time to keep up my own like weekly blog post and the tech skills forever to have the website and all the things you need to do to get a good, mm -hmm. you know, return on your, your social media posting. Right. So think about any kind of company that has anything to do with grants and fundraising. We, you and I have guest blogged for Foundant before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I know Instrumental has gone. We did for them too. I don't think we did a webinar for them, but, yeah, but, but they have blogs. Just think about any, basically any company that sells tech, any company that has anything to do with grants, they probably have a blog post and sure they can write their articles, but if they can get an expert in the field, that will mm -hmm. write an article for them for free. They're excited. And the good thing about it is you've got the content and the knowledge. Mm -hmm. They've got the reach and the power of as, as getting that reach out. Right. So don't think, well, I don't have time to do it. We'll just do one, one or two. Mm -hmm. And, reach out and be like, hey, you interested? This is who I am. Here's where I am with this. If you have time to rant a lot, and I am someone who does make the time to do that, then you also have time to do some of these things. Yeah. Not all of them. You're going to hear something, maybe one thing that speaks to you, and just do that. We're just throwing out ideas. I'm also always presenting at um, local, regional, or national meetings about some, or and advocating for that change, you know, talking about your own experience, about things that you would suggest or things that you have done and, and, and results that you've seen about positive changes in relationship building and collaboration, case studies, mm -hmm. anything that or um, developing application processes or how to be a better reviewer or um, anything that speaks to you will probably speak to someone else in this field. And there's so many opportunities to present.
in person and online. Absolutely. Um, and so another way to promote that positive change is to hold up great examples of agencies that are doing good works. Um, and a great way to do this, the Grant Professionals Association has an award process called the Grant Maker of the Year. Um, and so they give out two different awards. One is for public funding. So you think more your government agencies, whether it's a federal, state, it could even be a local government mm -hmm, agency. Mm -hmm. And then they do one for private funders as well. Um, and so the application form is actually pretty simple. If you can fill out a grant proposal, this will be Oh, walk in the park yeah, for you. I've done it before. Trust. It's yeah. Um, the form is usually available in the spring mm -hmm. and April. -ish. Yeah. April, Mayish. Um, so, and it's on the Grant Professionals Association website. Oh, and you don't have to be a member of the Grant Professionals Association to nominate. Nope. And you also, whoever you nominate, does not have have to have anything to do with it either. No. It's just GPA's way of saying. Here are some organizations that are doing really great works. So we want to hold them up for the world to see. And they make the announcement at the November um, annual conference. It's also on their social media and on the website. So it's a great way to just, you know, if, you, if you've got even, it doesn't have to be big. If you've got a small little grassroots foundation that is doing some amazing work, nominate them. Let the world know so mm -hmm. they can learn from it. Um, and if this is something that you're like, man, this sounds amazing, the Grant Professionals Association, they're able to do this because there is a committee of people who make sure the awards happen. They review them. They help highlight mm -hmm, them. Mm -hmm. And they're always looking for volunteers. Now, you do have to be a member of GPA to be on the committee. But um, so if you're a member and want to get involved, that's a great thing. That's a once a year thing. So it's not, you're not like committing to something every week. There are certain times a year. I know this because I served on this committee before. Mm -hmm. There are certain times a year where it's, oh, you, you have some activities to complete. But then after that, you know, it's, it's a nice way to make a change. And it's also a feel good moment to, to see yeah. positive things so yeah. that it's not always this adversarial kind of vibe around mm -hmm. grant making and grant seeking. Well, and another thing too, if you're like, I don't really have anybody to nominate, what you could do is you can go and look at see who has one and the great things they're doing and maybe bring that back to some of your local foundations mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, obviously for things to be well received, you've got to be kind about it. You don't want to go to somebody and be like, y'all suck. Here's how you should do it. <laughs> but instead you could say, Super helpful. <laughs> it's so nice. They'll, they'll be so receptive. Um, but to be able to say, hey, you guys are doing such great work, and I know you're constantly trying to improve, because who isn't, right? And you could say, hey, I just learned about this organization, and they've taken an, an interesting slant on how they award to make sure it's more fair. I'm going to send you over this information about this. Just mm -hmm. something for you to look at, right? And they may ignore it, but they may not, right? And they may start to make small changes. So it's not like, oh, it's got to be on this big, grand national mm -hmm. scale. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. can do things, or even if it's just... I mean, I talk to funders all the time, and if one of them's doing something amazing, I don't mind going, oh my gosh, have y'all seen? Because remember, And they may know. They, that's true. And it may take them hearing it 10 times before mm -hmm. they're like, oh, we got to do this. Remember back in the day, so we need to go back in time. <laughs> when applications were all like on paper, and you had to have like 12,000 copies, and they had to be binder clipped, not stapled in the yeah. upper left-hand corner, and you had to like get to the... FedEx office by midnight to have it postmarked and eventually, not all, I, I still have to mail some things. Surprisingly. <laughs> Surprisingly. It's really annoying. But I digress. Most of them now are online. Well, 
trust me, the ones that moved online first were my favorite people. And the ones that didn't, I'd be like, hey, did you know so-and-so just moved online? Have you ever seen such a thing? What a novel concept. So crazy. And eventually people moved online. Like some, some things are slower than others to catch on, but if they hear it enough, they're going to do it. So it, it can work. Trust me. So uh, moving on from paper or product problems, <laughs> um, and thinking not about, to be confused with the lack of toilet paper during COVID. No, last year. that was yeah, that was actually the, what is that? Two years ago now. We're in twenty twenty two. I know. It's, I know. I just yeah. It's, okay, sorry. We we so, move it on. So we're just gonna step away from that for just a second and talk about another thing that is always here, always with us, and is also hard to talk about much harder to talk about I think and it's um one of the biggest whys the question that I had and 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 still have in the philanthropic community is you know why in the year of our lord 2022 do we still lack diversity equity and inclusion in most grant making why because history and traditional and harmful policies and all these kinds of things and and I'll say it um again and again until it's no longer true I am going to offer up some solutions, and by that I mean some foundations that are doing incredible work. But mm-hmm. I just still want to remind everyone out there, in case you've forgotten, that um, according to community-centric fundraising, um, um, spearheaded in large part by Vule, thought leader Edgar Villanueva, he was also a guest. Um, he's the author of Decolonizing Wealth, now out in its second edition. Um Less, it's still maybe 10% of all foundation funding is going to community-based nonprofits led by people of color. And that's just wrong. It's wrong and it's damaging. And um, clearly issues of DEI go much, much deeper than funding. But for the purposes of this podcast, I'm just going to keep saying that and keep talking about it. Um, and it's a huge concern and it's, it, it hurts all of us. It hurts all of us, but there are in the spirit of offering solutions in this second of two parts, I wanted to hold up some, just some examples of some foundations. We talked about uh, some awards that could go out, but also, and, and two of the foundations are actually have one grant maker of the year, um, Uh awards. And I just want to hold them up for that. Um, in terms of big dogs of fundraising, certainly the Ford Foundation um, leads the way. Uh, their executive director, Darren Walker, is a, a black man from Lafayette, Louisiana, who has, of course, extensive experience in Rockefeller Foundation. He helmed the Abyssinian Fund, um, sorry, Foundation in Harlem for years. But again, to see a black man heading one of the largest foundations in the United States is and doing it so well, um, holding... Um, Um, holding symposiums with other foundations, spearheading work in the community um, to, to make fund uh, distribution more equitable. Um, It is coming from some of these super large foundations and well, so I want to, I want to hold that up as a great, great example. Um, The winner of grant maker of the year and the pro of the private foundations in 2021 was um, an, organization out of, I think, Pittsburgh called Poise. And they um, came to accept the award, which was really great. And they were talking about their work, about um, um, they're a Black-led, Black-serving community foundation, um, again, based in and mostly giving throughout the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania region. 
Um, and over the past 40 years, among the many, many things they've done over the past 40 years, Poise Foundation has grown from 164,000 in their sort of initial um, assets um, to more than $11 million. And during that 40 years, they have distributed um, more than $15.5 million in grants and scholarships to um, organizations and individuals of color in Pittsburgh and throughout the United States. So a great example of a foundation that was like, we are here to do this and nothing but this, and here's what we're gonna do and why. And uh, I think it's a really positive, positive um, example. If you're thinking about examples, what are some things that foundations are doing? And the third and final example I will hold up is one that I really enjoy talking about because it's one that when I was serving on the grant maker of the year committee, or it's now it's called the awards committee to be precise. Um, I Part of what you do is um, you interview the final uh, finalist uh, in the awards process and make that part of the scoring, right? So yeah. I interviewed the person who was at that time the executive director of the New England Grassroots Environmental Fund. Her name is Julia Dundorf, and she's now a development strategist for the same organization. This was amazing to me. I mean, it was just one of the, yes, it was technically a volunteer experience, but I got so much more out of it than mm -hmm. I did the time and to, to interview and take notes. Um, New England Grassroots Environmental Fund, probably right offhand, doesn't strike you as, wow. Cutting edge. Cutting edge, getting out there, making it happen. And um, they- But they are. But they are. <laughs> um, there, gosh, there's so many things. I'm, I'm gonna try and condense it here. They have evolved into a foundation that now lets the community members they serve decide where the grant funds go. Like. There still is an application process, as I understand it. At the time, pre-COVID, um, when we talked to them, they were going out to, well, actually, it was just 2020. So pre-COVID, they were going out to neighborhoods like libraries and churches and other places in the communities they serve across the states in New England that participate. And they were saying, okay, he, hey, we're here. We have this money to give out, and we'll help you fill out the application if you'd like to sit down with us and do it. I mean, can you imagine... I just can't imagine. I mean, I would love it. Well, you know what? I would I, love to work myself out of that job. I there's plenty of ways for me to make money. Yeah, I would love. I mean, I mean, they're, they're like they're going. Okay, there's no intermediary. You don't have to hire a grant writer. Mm -hmm. And no, these are not huge mammoth grants. But I'm saying they were like, hey, we're actually paying our staff to come to you where you are to help you through this process. But then they took it a step further. Yeah. Well, ultimately, too, I mean, the whole purpose of grant money, it's a found, whether it's a foundation, a, a government, whoever, you're trying to give money to fix an issue, right? And don't you want to have the people that have the best shot at fixing that issue? The grant application process is not always the best way to figure that out, right? Because you could have a darn good grant writer that can make your organization sound like they were the bee's knees. And they may not have their act together, but because you've got a polished grant writer who knows what they're doing... And versus another organization that maybe they don't have that writer on staff who can sell them, but man, they're in the trenches doing the work and they, by gosh, are making the changes. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. by doing it this way, they are probably going to get some better product at the end of the day, some better services, some better results, yep. which is the whole point. I think uh, building on that, the other thing that really impressed me about talking to them um, was that the board 
of this foundation had ceded all traditional board roles except for the fiduciary and security, except for the base baseline of what a board of directors needs to do. But the decision-making, all of that, they ceded that to the staff about where the funding should go, right? And the staff was like, hey, wait a minute, we're, we're, we could do this, but it's probably best to go out into the community. So it was like a, a, a stepping stone process to get it out there. And even the staff, even at first, they would form the readers committee. Um, they invited people under the readers committee from the community that would then make the recommendations. And then they thought, well, now if we're forming the committee or we, we're making decisions that, you know, like if we're if you're picking the team, then you may not pick the right team to get the job done because you may not know enough about the community that you're serving. So anyway, all that to say is they have on their their website now. I looked at it. They've they're they're the number of community readers that they have for their grants process. I want to say it's it's over four hundred wow. that they have participating in this. So they really sort of turned it over in how they. Um, they do their grant processes. And I'm smiling when I'm saying this because part of me would love to just march into a couple of the foundations over the years that I've worked with and go, hey, did y'all know what they were doing up there in New England? And just, I think, just blow some minds. I think, to but to get to, to that level of change, it really does need to come permeate the whole organization. And there's some traditional foundations that I'm thinking of that I'm not going to name right now, but Amanda could probably guess that would just be like, oh, my stars. And they're yeah, clutching, clutching pearls. pearls or bow ties <laughs> or whatever it is that they were wearing. And it's like, yeah, but there, there are, there are steps yeah. to take. But I just, again, because we spent the first part of this two-part episode ranting about what was wrong, I just wanted to hold up some things that were really, really Right. Absolutely. Um, and we'd also like to wrap it with, up with giving a few resources to help you educate yourself. If you're, you know, like, I had no idea that we could make an impact in the grant world. Because trust me, the first several years of my career, it never would have crossed my mind because you just don't know what you don't know. But now that you do, let us give you some resources. These can be used to help educate yourself. Also, they can be used for you to pass on to whether it's a boss, whether it's your own board, whether it's a foundation that you want to make an impact. You may just say, hey, some reading material for you. So Kimberly has mentioned most of these, but I just want to succinctly mm -hmm, put mm -hmm. them all together. Um, the first is she mentioned Voulet. He is a blogger, an activist, a speaker. Um, he'll say the things that you might be afraid to say because he can he can mm -hmm. say it because he's not tied to one organization anymore. Um, he uses the handle nonprofit AF, so you can follow him on. He's very, very active on Twitter, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he also has his own website. And he does a weekly blog post mm -hmm. that basically he's like the one man show fighting uh, fighting in inequities for sure. But he doesn't have to be. No, he doesn't. And I say one, well, he's got a lot of support, but he can always use more. Yep. Um, and so he's great. And the thing I do love about him, too, again, because he can, sometimes he can say the things that you can't, right? So if you're an organization that your biggest funder, you, you, you can't speak out against them because they're your biggest funder and your boss would be very upset with you if you did. You know what? He has offered to call out bad funding practices. Mm -hmm. And so 
I know people are sending him private messages because yep. he'll call he'll, people out. On Twitter and other yeah. platforms, yeah. So, and not that you have to go that route, but just reading his stuff can be helpful. Um, then there is also the community-centric fundraising organization. I think that they have a website. Yep, and they're based. They're, he's, he's been involved with them, but they, they have some great, they publish some great essays. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they have trainings and events that are really centered on um I, i'm not crazy about this label but bipoc um fundraisers and grant writers yeah uh, people of color they and and building leadership skills um but they also just have um again the the content and things that come out of that if you're white and you're not sure like maybe you haven't you don't really understand or have never been exposed to you know the in, those kinds of inequities that are racially based or gender based or the orientation but whatever the, whatever they may be that can be a good place to start to gather information because quick segue if you are white and you want to you're like oh i don't know what to do i need to learn sure you need to learn but i would say go and do the homework yourself rather than asking someone who happens to be black or happens to be Hispanic to educate you about the inequities. You know, I think... Let's not place more burden. No, man. And there's plenty, plenty of... And these are great places to get started if you're in that boat. Because if I hear, as a white person, if I hear one more white person go, well, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how bad it is. I'm like, you know what? If you can go go on the U.S. Census um, website and find the level of poverty in your neighborhood, you can find out what what this has been. And why it's been um, so, so the struggle has been so much harder for people of color and for organizations to be led by people of color. I think I would urge you to do your work on that and then figure out how you can be an effective ally. Yep. And it may mean awkward conversations and you may misspeak or you may... You know, it may make Thanksgiving that much trickier for you. I don't know, but that's really not the issue here. That's one dinner a year. I'm talking about lifelong systemic change and stepping up and speaking for what's right. So I would urge you, educate yourself. Another great source that is on Amanda's list for you today is Decolonizing Wealth, which is, again, written by Edgar Villanueva, who is on... He's been a nonprofit executive, but he's um, for years, and he's on many different boards, but he's also a fully enrolled member of the Lumbee Nation in Eastern North Carolina, mm-hmm. Native American tribe there. And um, in the book, he's just talking about, here's how the wealth system was set up that informs the philanthropic system in the United States. Yeah. It's just, it's not opinion, it's here's how it was set up. So that yeah. can be a great place to start. Yeah, and we, I've said many a time on this podcast, nonfiction is not normally my jam. Like, I like to read to kind of unwind and escape. It is a very quick and easy read, not because it's short, but just it is. It's well written. It's very well written. It's thought provoking. very good information. He does a great job. Um, we also had him on the second season of the podcast, so you could I think we had a two-parter. If you we wanted. did, we go back and listen to him. So, but these are just a handful. You may know of other local folks or even mm-hmm. national folks that are doing some great work. Then great, read their stuff, pass it along, do whatever you have to do to educate yourself so you can start making a difference. Because again, collectively, that's how it's going to happen. Like one person alone can't do it. 
So, um, one other way you can take action, if, if you're a member of the Grant Professionals Association, you can help develop a leadership pipeline to make room and make changes to diversify the grant profession and leadership in its every arena. And that's on the governance committee of yes. the um, of, of GPA. I'm actually serving on that committee, but there's actually a special subcommittee to, to not just talk about the issues, but what are some changes we can make in the way we're reaching out to people to make them feel invited into the grants profession, to give them the leadership skills that they need to succeed, um, not just in GPA, but but above and beyond. So that's a subcommittee. You can just you can sign up for a year um, and you can get in touch with the GPA admin office with Barb Boggs if you were, are interested. Yeah. You, any, anything about GPA, you can just email staff at grantprofessionals.org yep. and it will get to the right person. And um, actually this year, I'm joining Kimberly on the governance committee. So you can hang with both of us while oh, the change. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, so there you have it, friends. We've got examples, suggestions, small rants, but what would a podcast episode be without some sort of snorty rant or another? Um, recommendations for righting the wrongs in the grant-seeking field, because you know it is not enough to just call out the bad things. Making change means speaking out, reaching out, possibly acting out. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, this rule follower will tell you that you need to make sure you're following the right rules. But just because things have been done a certain way is not a good enough reason to continue doing them. So if you see rules that you don't think are fair or right or should even be happening anymore, start speaking up because it's going to take that to start mm -hmm. making better rules that will impact us all in a much better way. Yep. So um, as always, we appreciate you and thank you for joining us. You can drop us a line at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com and let us know what good things grant seekers and grant makers are doing in your neck of the woods. We would love to hear about it. Yep. So join us again in two weeks. Our next episode, we're going to be talking with the grants wonder woman, Allison <laughs> Boyd, as she shares some tips for being one of the most productive grant writers and business owners around. Like I, oh. you may not have heard of Allison before, but I am. It's because you were too busy. You were too busy to talk. Floored by the number of grants, successful, large grants. This woman can churn out in a year for her clients. It's amazing. So, um, I know I'm going to be taking lots of notes to learn from her. Thank you again to our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. As always, thank you for listening. Your continued support is the reason we are back for Season 5. Please follow and leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening to us on Spotify, follow and share the show with your friends. This helps grant and fundraising professionals like you find us. Bye for now, friends.